You know a song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And life, it's worth a living just because my Jesus lives. Amen. Uh, today, I just want to talk to us about um, the fact that my future, your future, is in God's hands. Amen. Um, I don't know if this is the title, but that's what I want to talk to us about, that my future, your future, lies in God's hands and no one else's. Amen. So if you don't hear anything of what I'm going to say today, get out of here knowing your future lies in God's hands. Amen. And I'm backed by scripture, by the way. If we read Psalms 31 verse 15, um, it says, My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Amen. David recognizes that, you know what? I can be the king. I can have everything. Um, it's good. It's, it's wonderful to have. But at the end of it all, I don't have control over my future. My future is in God's hands. Amen. Can we read Ecclesiastes 3? Muledi, khaolo ya buraro, timana ya pele gofitlago ya swai. Ke mupedi ba zalwane, and I'm proud to be mupedi. Um, Ecclesiastes 3, um, from verse 1 until 8. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. There is a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. There is a time to keep and a time to throw away. Amen? Um, 7 says, there is a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. There is a time for war and a time for peace. Amen? Under the heavens, here on earth, there will be times, occasions, different occasions for different things. And the Bible states that there will be a time to cry and a time to laugh among others. There will be a time to hold on and a time to let go. There will be a time for pain. There'll be a time to grieve because people die. 
Those that are very close to us, they literally die and we grieve. People fall sick. You fall sick, I fall sick. It's an occasion. It's a season. It will pass. Amen. There is a season for everything. Regardless of what you are going through in life, it's a season. It will pass. Amen. Um, don't despair, Mzalwani, and say, I'm always crying, there's people who are dying, I'm always sick and all. Remember, your future is in God's hands. And remember also that there is a time for everything. Amen. Take heart, uh, be encouraged by the word of God. Um, because it says, Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 4, Verses 11 to 13. I have already, when he speaks to the, um, to the churches, he says, to, to the Philippians, he says to them, um, he starts off by thanking them for everything that they have done for him in his ministry and all. And he, he, he then says to them, I'm not saying all these things because I'm in need. Are, I have learned the secret of being content in whatever situation that I find myself in. Amen. And, and, and I, like, I like it when Paul puts it like this, I, I have learned the secret of being content. It does not mean that when you are content, you are always happy. It does not mean that when you are content, everything else is going okay for you. No. It means that even when you cry, you cry with hope, the hope that says, Christ, my Redeemer, is the Lord, and my future is in his hands. Amen. You don't cry and, and, and throw away the toys and, you know, um, me, be also melodramatic and, 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 and lose hope. No, you cry and you grieve because there will be a time for grieving. You cry, you grieve, you go through pains, but through all of that, you remember, ish, go on, Jenny. Paul says, I have learned to be content in every situation that I find myself in. And when you are content, it doesn't mean that um, you're no more um, ambitious, that you no longer have um, aspirations. No, you have those aspirations. You have aspirations, uh, I'm going to find a better job. You have aspirations, Zahori. I want to study that doctorate that I have been postponing for so many years. You have aspirations that says, I want to get married. But I know I'm going to get there. You know, you have aspirations. I want to have children. I don't have children as yet, but I know my Redeemer lives. And that, at the right time. He shall give me all these things. But in the meantime, while I'm still hoping and searching and praying for those things, I am content. Amen. I, I, I don't search for those things and forget. Or, I search for those things. I, 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 I pray for those things that I want, for those things that I need. And in all of that, I remain content in Christ. Amen. And I guess it's, like Paul says, it's something that you learn. It's a skill, you know. Um, I don't think that we are born, um, to, to, and born automatically into the space of contentment. I think over time, you learn it. Amen.
And may we, may we, may, may, may we be encouraged by God's word. You know, may we keep God's word in our hearts such that when things of life, when occasions and activities and seasons of life come, we not we don't despair, but we remember, hey, my future is in God's hands. Amen. Um, I know I'm not I'm not the person that screams and shouts and ing ing ne. So please don't fall asleep. Um, can we can we read the story of Job? I like the fact that you go with the spirit. Uh, I like the fact that you mentioned the issue of Job. God, you were praying, I think. Saying, God built a hedge of fire around Job such that his soul will not be touched by the evil one. Let's read Job chapter 1. Two, three. Job chapter one, one, two, three. Okay. I don't have someone to read for me. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. The seven sons and three daughters were born to him. All his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and every and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. Um... Did you read that part that says three, the last part of three? What does it say? So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Hey, your version doesn't put it the way I want to. (laughs) I want it to read like in this version. It says, he was in fact the richest person in the entire area. The Bible states that Job was blameless. It says that Job had integrity. It says that um, it says that God was so proud of Job. Uh, the Bible says that one day, uh, you see, the heavenly beings were meeting. Uh, they went to God. And it says that the devil was, was amongst them. Ne? And then 
Mudimu oreko satan. Or have you considered my servant Job? Ne? Listen to this. I, I find this very fascinating because God is so proud of Job. God mudimu wa brega ka Job to the devil. You know. I read this and, and it challenged me. It says to me, Is God does my life the way that I live now as Gogo? Does it make God proud such that God can 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 brag about me? Or Mudimu and and he cries and and and, and maybe or I regret or why did I create this being? Because 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 they're always sinning and and and. Or am I the person that when God looks at, God says, Oh, I'm so proud of this daughter of mine. Oh, I'm so proud of this son of mine. But I, I guess that is the challenge that I'm posing to the church and that um, I'd like you to ask yourself, who are given my life currently, when God looks at me, what does he say? Remember the story of Saul when, when God um, said to, Solomon, to Samuel, go to Saul and tell him, why did I make him king over Israel? Because he doesn't listen. Remember, Saul go and kill uh, the Amalekites and everything else. And then uh, Saul took and all of that for himself. And, and when Samuel says, but you didn't listen to God, then, then Saul says, no, you see, when a man of God, what happened is the people, they said, let us take these things. And then this, um, the the fattest ones, and then relo sacrifice to God. And then Samuel says to Saul, you know what? Obedience is better than sacrifice. I'm not pleased to give the sacrifices. I'm pleased to give obedience. Ne? And, 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 and it's a challenge to, to me and which challenge I'm bringing to us as a church to say, what manner of Christian are you? What manner of person are you? Can you confidently sit back and say, God is so proud of me. I am a blameless person. I am the person that fears God. Oh, Luena, you can't, you're not even sure about yourself. Huh? You're like, Lavana Kopi. The challenge is that can we can we look at the life of Job and 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 be encouraged? Can we look at the life of Job and say, Surely if Job could do it, why can't I do it? God teach me to be blameless before you. God teach me to have an upright character such that I please you in whatever else that I do. Okay, then have you considered my servant Job? Um, Job fears me and he stays away from evil. This is God himself. Job fears me and he stays away from evil. Um, and the devil says, yeah, but why wouldn't he? He's rich. He has everything that he needs. So he has the reason to, he has a reason to, to fear you. Challenge him. 
Aaron, no, Job has a reason to fear you. Because, I mean, look at him. The Bible says, Hori, he had seven, seven sons and three daughters. He's even the richest man in the world. And then the devil says, I dare you, God, to, to touch these possessions of his. And then Otlawana, he's going to insult you right in your face. Guess that, ne? Then God takes up this challenge. And okay, bring it on. Then God says to to Satan, you know, I don't know how to say Satan. I can't remember Satan. For me, when I say Satan, it's like a key, sharp. So I want, <laughs> I want to say Satan. <laughs> you know. <laughs> then, then God says to Satan, I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, fine. Go ahead. But don't touch him physically. Don't touch Job physically. Hey, and then um, the Bible tells us that uh, all the livestock that he had and at one point um, his children they went to one of um, the elder brother's house and they had a feast there they were eating and drinking and the Bible states that while they were busy there enjoying themselves eating and drinking what happened is a, a, a huge storm came, came about and uh, they were in yeah, the older brother. It it fell apart. It and they all died in the house. Ne? All the children of Job, they were there. They died in the house. And then a messenger comes to Job. You know, the one messenger comes and says, "Hey, man, I was out in the field, and then and 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 then I'm the only one who survived to come and tell you." As I wrote, that story, someone else comes with the bad news. While you're still listening, another one comes. Your children are all dead. Can you imagine how devastating that would be? And the Bible states that in all of that, God did not insult God. I mean, Job did not insult God. In all of that, Job remained blameless before God. Amen. Imagine if it was you and I. We would probably be calling a prophet. To say, to say to them, please come and explain these things because they just don't make sense. Someone is probably after me. You know, we would probably be going, coding again, some of us, you know, saying, I've been serving you, but this, this is too much. But the Bible says that Job remained blameless in all of them. And then chapter 2. In chapter 2, they went about again and then they were before God and suddenly and I was part of them. And then God again says, have you considered my servant Job? He is so blameless. He is the man that shuns evil. No? Remember, this in chapter 2, it's when Bana and all that he had, had been taken away from him. And then in chapter 2, or oh, before chapter 2, 1, uh, verse 22, it says, In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Amen. Um, then 
Um, okay, chapter 2. Ne? Then in chapter 2, uh, the devil says, yeah, but I mean, of course, Job still has to fear you because or building this hedge of fire around him, you know, that uh, when I touch his health, this is the devil saying to God, touch his health, he's going to insult you, he's going to surely curse you to your face, the devil says. No? Are you still with me? Okay. And then God says, all right, go ahead. I give Job to you, Satan. Go ahead. And then, but he gives him the, a condition. He says, do not touch his soul. You can do anything and everything you please with him, but do not touch his soul. Yeah. And then, Job Remember chapter one again. All that he had was taken from him. No, go chapter two. The Bible says that he had the show, like he had sores from the top of his head. Like he had sores everywhere. Can you imagine how many of us have had uh, chicken pox at one point in our lives? That thing is painful. Especially only old. That thing is painful. Now, Job, Nana Lidi, so probably even Zephetani chicken pox. Ne? Everywhere. Bible Eriblanyaka, something along wrote like in Wayakayon, you know, that he scratches himself with a piece of pottery. You can imagine. And now he doesn't have anything. Like, he doesn't have, he has nothing. And now his health is challenged as well. Ne? And then what happens? In chapter 2 verse 8, I'm going to read this one. It says, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Because he was grieving, he was in pain. Um, the Bible says, his wife said to him, <laughs> you know, sometimes the challenges come from within your family, like the next door person that you so much so trust and love. You know, they're the ones who go in to put you to the test. Then the wife says to Job, How? Job, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? In the midst of all these things that's happening to you, why don't you just curse God and die? Then Job responds, Arimara, you're speaking like a foolish woman. How can you say that I must curse God and die? Job refused to sin, Bazalwani, against God. In the midst of everything that he was going through, he kept his integrity. He remained faithful to God to the end. Such that um, his friends heard about his calamities. The Bible says that it's three friends. They, they heard about his calamities. They came, and then when they came to, to see him, um, it says what, they, they saw him at a distance, and then they were shocked. They were in pain themselves when they saw that their friend is suffering that much. 
Can just just try to picture this. You have sores all over. Like you are scratching yourself all the time. Like that's what Job was going through. And the friends are coming and they see him from a distance. And 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 the Bible says that for seven nights and seven days they sat there with him. None of them said anything. They just wept. You know. They said they I can just imagine what was going through their heads and, and through their minds. They said that they were probably thinking, Mara, because at some point, when you read the book of Job, at some point, one of them said to him, maybe maybe you have sinned against him. Maybe it's about time that and, and just repent. And Job says, no, I have not sinned against my God. You know, he says, no, I have not sinned against God. All good things and bad things that's happening, I'm sure God has a hand in all of them. I, I would rather curse the day on which I was born than to curse God. Amen. And, 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 and this challenges me, Barcelona. And I want to place a challenge to us to say, Bad things will happen. Sometimes God allows those things to happen to our lives. If you look at the story of Job, God allowed it. God was so proud of Job that he challenged the devil. Have you considered my son Job? He is so blameless. He is, he is so upright in character. And do whatever, but just don't touch his soul. Maybe things that happens that bad things that happens in our lives, God has a hand in them, you know, to test us, to say, um, maybe, maybe He is proud of you to say, I know you can stand, I know you can do it, I know you can go through this, you know. So can we, can we, can we, can we hold on? Can we just hang in there? Trust God. Trust to her. Look, my future is in God's hands. So when he, had, when he allows these things to happen to me, because he has a plan. Amen. Don't, 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 don't give up hope. Don't lose heart. But remember, Hori, your future is in God's hands. Amen. You know, Bazalani, my heart breaks most of the time when I see young people who call themselves about the born-again Christians, they take this grace for granted. Um, it's not only just young people, but I, 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 I just talk about young people. Yeah, You know, especially come the stage, it is our jola jol. You know, you find young people joling with this one, and then the next day you are joling with the next one, with a friend of a friend of a friend. And like, you know, and, and, and it breaks my heart because you are playing with this grace. You know, and, and most of the time you find that your life is okay. How not issues change? And instead of being grateful, you are taking this grace for granted. And you are just playing around with it. Look at Job. He had so many calamities happening to him, but he refused to sin against God. He refused to sin against God. He kept his trust and his hope in God because he knew that, look, my future is in God's hands. And he has given me, and what he's given me, he has taken away. That's when Bamubulela Lord Banabahai have died. Ari God has given me. 
and then he has taken it away. Anchi barata we bulela koma khunga kere. I came into this world naked. Ne? All these things that I have, God gave them to me. He saw it befitting that I have these things, and now He has taken them away from me. But I still worship Him, regardless. I still, I still stand and say, "Gahurata Jesus, Gahurata Ulugile." Amen. Um, you know when you when you realize that your future is in God's hands, it teaches you to fear God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter one verse seven, the beginning of all wisdom is to fear God, and 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 the fool they despise these things, this wisdom. The fool says there is no God, but the beginning of all wisdom is to fear God. When you realize, Hore, my future is in God's hands. When you realize that whatever I'm going through, God knows. Because the Bible says that there is a time and a season for everything under the heavens. Here on earth, bad things will happen. They are sure to happen, believe you me. If they have not happened to you yet, bless the Lord, but they may come. Ne? And in all of these things, my future lies in God's hand. When you realize that, it teaches you to go back and say, you know what? Life without Christ is not worth the living. It teaches you to take a step back and say, you know what? It's fine. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You know, uh, the Bible in the book of Psalms 86 Verse 11, if I'm not mistaken, David says that, teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways that I may live right, that I may, I may live in your truth, that I may keep your commandments. Teach me your ways, O Lord. You know, when you, when you understand and you know the promises that God has given us as his children, at, 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 and, and, and that is, that basic, it's nothing else but to say, I know the word of God. I have written it here. Come what may, come storms, come hails, come whatever. I know that his promises are a yes and an amen. And that he is not a son of man that he will lie or change his mind. He is faithful in everything that he does. Amen. And that when, when, when you realize that, it's all in God's hands. You, 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 you become content. You, you, you learn to trust him. The Bible says in uh, Psalms 125 verse 1 that they that trust in the Lord, they are like Mount Zion that shall not be moved. When you trust in God, you become stern. You become steadfast. You become good. You become rooted. Because you know that my Redeemer liveth, and that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. Uh,
I'm about to finish. Uh, the Bible in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Peter says, Be alert. Be on your guard. Because the devil, your enemy, he's prowling around looking for somebody to devour. Um, if you look at the story of Job, where have you been? I know because I was going to and fro. You know, I was looking around. The devil is looking around. He's, he's, he's scouting around. He's like, who's going to be my next target? You know, who's going to be my next target? So we need to be alert. Uh, Peter says, be alert. Be on guard. Be watchful. Because the devil is looking around, looking for someone to devour. And, 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 and those of you who play with this grace, those of you who feel holy, you are entitled to, to, to keep on sinning, be careful. Because the Bible says, in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Galatians 6, 7, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. That is a promise. Don't be deceived. You can be doing things and then we may not see you. We may not even know that you are doing those things. Your conscience knows. Your heart knows. God knows. Because God sees the things that are done in secret. And be rest assured that you're going to reap what you sow. The Bible says that God cannot be mocked. You cannot mock God. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Remember that thing that you did yesterday? He knows it. That it's not right. He knows it. The hatred that's in your heart towards other people who succeed in Muslim. God knows that. Your, 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 your unwillingness to repent, God knows that. Your, 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 your unwillingness to obey, God knows that. And the Bible says, you're going to reap what you sow. It says, whoever sows, that's Galatians 6, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of the believers. Amen. Um, as I'm about to sit down, please ask yourself, ask yourself this question that when God looks at me, what, what does he say about me? You know, um, what would you want God to say about you? Um, when you are alone, um, when you are at work, 
Never mind what you want people to say about you, but what does God say about you? Is God proud of you? Is God proud of me as Gogo? Or you know and 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 only you Mzalwani, can change that only you can make god look at you like he looked at 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 job and say he or she is so upright in character he or she is so blameless he or she shuns evil only you can make that decision in your heart and start living right for Christ and start living right for the Lord. Amen. Um, and when you do that, when we live right for God, it is not for people to see us anger. It's not, that's not the, the main intention. The main intention is that we please God. And we gain favor with God. And as we gain favor with God, automatically we'll gain favor with people. Amen. So it doesn't start with Baatu. It starts with God. Amen. Um, I know I said I'm finishing. Uh, if you look at John, John chapter 2, I think it is. Jesus, he's in Galilee. No? And then what happens in Galilee is that he's attending a wedding. Remember the story in there? Yeah, the wedding and the wine finishing. Yeah. So Jesus is attending this wedding and then the wine is about to, it's finished and then uh, the mother says, hey, Raphael, let's take your wine. And then you know what Jesus says when he responded to his mother. He says, how? Woman. <laughs> Woman. That's not our problem. <laughs> Why need a deal? You know, you need wine for Linyalo or Nat. Jesus says, that's not our problem. He says, my time has not yet come. When you, when you realize that your, your future is in God's hand, you, you, you learn to, 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 to step back a bit and say, you know what? You know, at the right time, at the right time, God will show himself. Ne? Jesus says, my time has not yet come. And then if you look at John again, chapter seven, um, there were, Jesus was supposed to go to Judea. He was still in Galilee. And then his brothers, Barakoyanabari, our woman, go to Judea and then go do the miracles and stuff and stuff and all of that. So that people can see you. And then they can see you. And then he says to them, I'm not leaving Galilee. I'm not going to Judea as yet because my time has not yet come. You know, no, go, man, just so go to Judea and go perform the miracles. You know, let the people see what you are made, what we are made of. And he says, ah, uh ah, -uh, my time has not yet come. When, when, when you go, when you go through things and then you realize, oh, my future is in God's hand. 
you take you take a step back and you say, My time has not yet come. Mine will come. For now, let me just be in the background. And at the right time, God will show himself. And then get Amen. <laughs>